And joining me now on the WILX Sports Blitz podcast is our own sports reporter, Kellen Buddy. Kellen, how's it going? I'm good, John. How are you? Not too bad myself, though. For mid-Michigan, I think the biggest story in our purview would be Michigan State basketball and kind of the chaos around that team right now. They got smoked both by Iowa and then their hearts ripped out by Purdue. And Purdue was really the last gasp for this team to reach 500 in the Big Ten, which everyone was seeing as the line of demarcation in order to make the NCAA tournament. Right now they're at 10-9, 4-9 in the Big Ten, five more games remaining, which means the best they could go would be 9-10. and 10. I think now the, the odds of making the NCAA tournament are almost up in smoke, and they had their last chance, and it's gone. Maybe if they went out in the Big Ten tournament and in regular season play, that might be enough, but the odds of that are very, very unlikely. Yeah, it's it's been a shock, I, I think, to say the least. You know, given their performance in 2019, you know, beating Duke to get to the Final Four, and then even losing to, to Texas Tech in that Final Four game, they still showed that they were a team that could get it done. And heading into the postseason last year, um, many touted the Spartans as being the favorite to go back to the Final Four, to go back and win it all. And obviously, minutes before their first game in the Big Ten tournament, I believe it was supposed to be against Rutgers, uh, everything was was shut down. And, um, you know, people don't want to hear excuses. They don't want to hear uh, anything bad from Coach Izzo. But I th- I... I think the the pandemic had a little bit of a hand in what's been a, a surprising season, uh, an, an off season for Michigan State, and and we're seeing that. Um, obviously, if you if you look at Michigan, uh, they came out of their break and and took it to a a pretty good Wisconsin team on the road, uh, but the the pandemic affects everybody in different ways and and you'll hear Izzo say that you'll hear everybody say that uh but it it has been a shock you know they they won two games coming back home uh against uh, Nebraska and Penn State and you kind of thought heading into this Iowa game that hey maybe they can make it close they made it close on the road uh against the Hawkeyes and home court advantage uh as little of fans as as that as are there, um, you still kind of think a team will be more comfortable playing at home. A team might have a little bit more of an advantage playing at home. Um, but <laughs> you know, like like we've seen, the, the Spartans obviously couldn't get that done. Um, so from there, it, it was kind of win or go home, and I, I think they had the chance to do that on Tuesday and uh obviously that didn't work out. So so we're left here, you know, what are they gonna have to do? And like you mentioned a little earlier, it's gonna have to take something pretty miraculous here. Um not not only are they going to have to win the Big Ten tournament, I think they might have to win out uh during the regular season. Obviously a regular season Big Ten title is uh out of the cards. Um I'd like to see it go go to Michigan as as a as a stater, uh, as a Michigan guy myself. But uh, it's it's going to be tough, I think, for for Spartan fans to 
kind of watch the rest of the season unfold and and see where things go from here. Um, but what I would say is, as a lifelong Red Wings fan, you know, I saw the team make the playoffs for 25 straight years. And since then, it's been nothing but doom and gloom. Um, granted, rebuilds don't work the same way in professional sports as they do in, in college. You know, you have a, a turnover every um you know, one, two, four years in, in college basketball. One, you could have a, an up year and then a, a down year. Um, but I would say a word of advice, kind of like what Mateen Cleave said the other day, um, you, you can't be supportive when they're going to the Final Four, when they're going to the NCAA tournament, when they're on the brink of winning a national championship, and then just be all crying and moaning when the team doesn't do well, that's not what a real fan does. You know, it's, it stinks to watch this team. It stinks to, you know, kind of see him turn the ball over 16 times uh, and have that be the reason that they lost. Um, but, you know, I would say the Spartan faithful, they need to stick with the team. <laughs> you know, you, you can't stop rooting for the team because they have one bad season. Uh, I think a lot of people want immediate results. They want instant gratification. And um, I don't blame them. You know, I, I, I want to see the Spartans do well. I want to see the Red Wings do well. I want to see the Lions do well. I want to see the Pistons do well. I want to see the Tigers do well. But you got to understand it's going to take time. And so I'm going to hop off my soapbox and, you know, I'll just end with, yeah, it, it's been very surprising um but i i think you know i hate to say it but i think we need to cut them some some slack just because of everything going on yeah they're not the only team that's dealing with everything happening in a pandemic duke basketball kentucky north carolina they're all bubble teams at best to make the ncaa tournament which then has me wondering what's going to happen with the NCAA because one function of that tournament is as a form of revenue generation and the schools get some of that back as well and especially missing out on last year and then you have all these dedicated teams with some huge fan bases and they're not going to be in I don't know this might be the greatest NIT tournament at least in branding in history which the last time Michigan State played in the NIT was back to back in 96 and 97 so that's what 24 years between NIT appearances and nothing but NCAA in, in the middle and it, it kind of is like the Red Wings streak of postseason success how long can you kind of keep it going but also as an indicator of where you are as a franchise or in this case as a school and organization and I think two major impacts one Tom Izzo teams are always very senior heavy they're they're led by the seniors they live and die by what they can do with them and there's only one senior and it's a super senior Joshua Langford and he has given it his all this year, but he's not the player he once was due to all the injuries and just the fact that he's able to go out there and compete like he has and be productive and healthy this season is incredible. But if you're relying on a guy who's had multiple foot injuries as your key piece, there, there's some issues there. And it's a season kind of of 
disappointment because I don't know if I've ever looked at a Michigan State roster and gone top to bottom. There's a lot of guys here who I thought could really, really be something between Henry, Brown, Marcus Bainham, maybe Joey Hauser, Rocket Watts, and Watts and Brown and Hauser really haven't been what Michigan State is looking for and what a team needs to take him to a strong record to make an NCAA appearance. And Tom Izzo has mentioned that a huge issue has been Rocket Watts never had really an offseason to develop, to transition from maybe more of a shooting guard to point guard, and now he's gone back to shooting guard, and lawyers got injuries. It's it's just a mess, and I, I don't know what to make of it besides at least everybody so far seems like they're overall healthy. People have gotten the virus. They've gotten past it. And we've had basketball back, and I don't know if you can really ask for much more than that. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been kind of a, a, a roller coaster here, and especially a couple of their last home games. Uh, I believe against Penn State, uh, Thomas Kithier left the game, he not feeling well, and then the following game against Iowa, Rocket Watts left the game not feeling well, and so you're looking at that and you're thinking oh my God, there's going to be another, there's going to be another outbreak. And, you know, Penn State's going to come back with the virus. Iowa's going to come back with the virus. Luckily, um, both of their PCR tests heading into the game were, were negative and, and all the subsequent tests came back negative as well. But it's like every team in the country is on thin ice just because we've seen how quickly this virus spreads how easily this virus spreads um but going back to you know what you talked about you joshua langford and and having that it factor um there have been great teams in the past you know teams that have depth teams that have all five players who can who can shoot the ball having a a stretch five who can make plays both under the rim and on the perimeter um but yeah, Joshua Langford has been kind of uh, expected to be that guy, you know, the the guy the Spartans can look to to make those big plays, to take the last shot, to be the the hype man in the huddle, and um, not to say that he's not up for that big of a role, but I think we were expecting too much from Langford, considering. Uh, his, you know, absence on the floor, him not being able to play with the injury. And with Cassius Winston and, and Xavier Tillman last year for the Spartans, you knew that you give the ball to Cassius Winston outside, he's more than likely going to make a play. He might not make it every single time, but I think eight to nine times out of 10, he'll make a good play that will end up helping the Spartans. Uh, so it, it's just a matter of can they find someone to rely on heading into the next year? Like you mentioned, they have a younger roster than they're used to, which on one hand, it kind of stinks. You don't have that natural leader. But on the other hand, you give time for that guy to develop, whether it's Gabe Brown, whether it's Aaron Henry, whether it's Rocket Watts. Um Give them time to develop and, you know, in kind of a side tangent, these guys knew that they were going to have to step up and and find themselves in the right 
role, find themselves in that leadership role. Uh, so, so I don't know what happened in terms of that kind of passing of the torch per se, that, that transition. Uh, obviously it, it, it hasn't really worked. You know, I think they're still kind of looking around being like, who's going to be the guy that's going to, you know, take that last shot. Who's going to be the guy that's going to help us kind of move past this adversity and, and come back from down 10 at home with five minutes left. I don't think they have that guy as much as we would like to see Langford be that guy. Um, obviously it's going to take some time next year is going to be uh, different. I hope, but I, I think there's going to be some high expectations as to who's going to be uh, that guy. And we'll, we'll have to see where it goes. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hand it back over to you. I kind of like talking a lot about this whole situation. It seems. I think I might have discovered the the essential element here is a lot of Tom Izzo teams, they're very guard-driven. It's always a point guard or a lead ball handler who really is able to take the rein. Draymond Green, Denzel Valentine, Travis Trice, Kalen Lucas, Drew Neitzel, if you want to go back that far, and, and Mateen Cleaves going back even farther. There's always some lead ball handler who is able to really initiate the offense. And this year there's been a lack of that and possibly to develop Meant Hogard had knee issues and Wants has just not blossomed as you'd like. And then I'm looking at it right now and field goal numbers from two point range Hogard is at 34%, Langford's at 36%, Watts is at 37%, Marcus Beanham, the big guy, he's at 42%, Foster Lawyer is at 18%. And all of those are key rotation players or more, especially Watts only getting 37%. I mean, that's attacking the basket. And they're just nothing's going in for this team. And looking at it, Sissoko and Kithier lead because they're attacking and they've got those nice shots set up for them. Brown and Hauser, it's solid in the 60s, but overall the true shooting percentage on this team, just nobody is able to really make baskets outside of assists for your big guys. Gabe Brown and Joey Hauser and everything else there, it it's a struggle. And I think that has been a huge part of it is just shots aren't going in. And I think some of that's skill development some of that's athleticism and the ability to be strong enough to go past people to attack the basket so we'll see there's no real big impact recruit coming in but two years out hey Hamani Bates in 2022 playing next to him should make life a lot easier for this team yeah I, I would hope so and and you know I'll talk quickly on Amani, but that that whole shooting situation it's it's weird because you're you're watching these games and you would think with that low of a shooting percentage that all of these were contested you know heavy in the heavy in the shooter's face um you know active hands all that jazz but there's a lot of shots where the Spartans have been open and it's just a flat out miss there's a lot of layups that <laughs> that they've been missing and and Granted, that's difficult because um, you're you're up a lot. You're up against a lot more defense when you're in tighter on on the basket. You know, it's it's no secret. Um, but it, it's it's really weird because we saw Gabe Brown make a lot of big shots last year. We know Joey Hauser can shoot the ball. He he did it at Marquette when he was averaging twenty something points a game. You know, he was shooting from the perimeter. He was shooting mid range. He was you know, uptight on the basket. Um, and so that, that is a bit of an anomaly. 
uh, like you mentioned, and you know whether it's development, whether it's experience, uh, we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. But w- my concern is looking at the season the Spartans are having right now. If you're Imani Bates, are you considering the the NBA route more so than you have before? Obviously, that's uh, been always one of his options you know if you're looking at how good this player is you're thinking hey maybe he can go straight to the g league uh my concern is that this season is not forcing him away but making him consider more the the nba path as opposed to staying here at michigan state so we'll we'll have to see where that goes obviously there's some time until that decision will come about but um that would that would concern me as a as a Spartan fan, kind of wondering where Amani is going to end up. Yeah, and for the the NBA, they have made their system a lot more appealing with the G League and night team players. I think they are making four hundred thousand dollars. They're playing against professionals in the G League right now. The G League is in a bubble, I believe, in Atlanta, kind of what the NBA did. And you've got guys like Amir Johnson and other vets on this team with these rookies to or not even rookies but these players who would be freshmen to try to get these top draft picks developed and ready to hit the ground running and as an alternative to college and as there's been some guys who've gone over and played in Australia or Europe kind of like Brandon Jennings or Lamelo and that's going to be I don't know about you but if I can make $400,000 right away while getting a place to improve my NBA draft stock that's going to sound really appealing to a lot of top tier recruits and it'll probably come down to the number of spots but we're already talking about Imani Bates who's 2022 what he's going to do there's a lot of time to move like you said hopefully next year Michigan State's got some more players coming in as well and maybe they can help but none of them are going to be the superstar level maybe needed to get this team where it needs to go and I think it's just going to come down to development another year Gabe Brown his numbers the only three people who are shooting over 33 percent from three-point range Gabe Brown Joshua Langford and Joey Hauser and that's all 35 36 percent and Gabe Brown's actually had a scorching 45 percent oh and then uh, Julius Marble he is one for one on the season so he needs to get some more shots up yeah definitely it's it's just it's a mess it's you know it's half the time they're they're moving the ball around really well you know they're 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 set up for for success on a possession and then suddenly the ball is clanking on the rim and it's going the other way it's it's just confusing to watch because they've always been a team that they can make the basket they can they can shoot they can score and and then they can go and play some solid defense and uh you know one thing that's really stood out this year is they'll go two, three, four, even five minutes without making a, a field goal. You know, they'll, they'll get a couple free throws, you know, uh, but it, it, it's crazy. You know, one of the things against Iowa was they would go periods of time without scoring. And that immediately sets you up for failure. If you're not able to score and then you're not able to, to contain Iowa on the perimeter, that's that's a problem. And we saw that unfold very quickly at the Breslin Center. You could tell 10 minutes into that game that it was going to be uh, a long one for Michigan State. So whether it's shot selection, whether it's 
contested shots. I it's it's tough to tell, you know, especially when you're at the game and, and you're filming, you're just really kind of focused on, you know, what's going on at the at the ball. But whether it's one of those things, they've got to find a way to to get it done, to 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 shoot, to score and I guess make that transition and go play defense on the other end and get the ball right back and, and, and score again. You don't really see that often from a team who's usually done that so well. So we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah, it's just there's nobody looking at assists per game. It's three or less. The minutes all are, are all mixed up, and it's a feeling out process that's just taking the entire season at the very least. And we've kind of seen where this Michigan State team is heading towards Maybe they can end the season at 500, but the next game's up, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan. I don't know if I favor Michigan State to win any of those, and that would put them at the pretty low at the Big Ten standings. The only one there, I think, with them right now, Nebraska's at 1-10, Northwestern's at 3-12. They, they might be looking at one of those spots, the final play-in games for the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is like other conferences. It's usually less of a thing where the Big Ten, the winner of the Big Ten tournament, does still have an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. So in theory, if Nebraska won out or Michigan State won out in the Big Ten tournament, they could get that spot. But based on the level of talent and play, I'd be looking at, at Michigan or Ohio State or even Iowa to go in there and really do some damage just to boost their case for seeding Michigan State go to the NIT. It is what it is. I think that it's a season of growth and especially with the NCAA giving everybody an extra year of eligibility it'll be interesting to see how that impacts everything and especially with the transfer rules I don't imagine that Langford's going to come back after this year I haven't specifically sought out quotes about that but I'd imagine after his process that just him coming back and being able to be healthy that's the capstone there but you might even see some departures on this team I would imagine maybe a guy like Marcus Beanham who came in very highly recruited and has played very sporadic minutes after multiple years with the team, he might go somewhere else. Kithier, Izzo loves him, but I, I don't know what his role is on a really good Michigan State team, so who knows what that could hold. Yeah, you, you just you just never know, and I think we are seeing that logjam in, in the big man spot, uh, which is a concern for you know a, a lot of people. Um, <laughs> you just, you just never, you never want to log jam, especially, uh, well, a, a quick turnaround kind of helps, you know, every one to four years, you're, you're getting a new, you're getting a new guy who's going to be that guy down low. Uh, but the, the log jam certainly doesn't help. So yeah, it, it, it would stink to see one of them go and possibly find another opportunity, but it, it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, and logjam situation of 2022 Enoch uh, Bokeh. Do you know how to get this name correct? I do not. Uh, that, that that sounds that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, Enoch Boye, I, I don't know. <laughs> I got to be completely honest. Six foot ten, yeah. 220 pound Canadian basketball player uh, was going to be coming in with Amani Bates as one of the big players. In the quotes there, he says, I want to go to a place where I have the opportunity to make an impact right away. That's number one goal of mine. And what has this season shown of the just, yeah, it's it's all the big men have been jumbled together. No one's been the clear cut. Marble and Malik Hall have had the best looks for advanced stats. I think they've played really hard. They don't get as many minutes or inconsistent run with the minutes. And that 
maybe scared a prospect away. So we got a summer to figure it out, and hopefully we've got a few enjoyable games with the NIT. But Michigan State basketball, I, it's a year for history in a couple different ways. And for Michigan State basketball, it's just not super positive history. And other historic news for the state of Michigan in basketball, six-time NBA All-Star Blake Griffin and the Detroit Pistons have agreed formally to have them be separate entities from now on, that Blake Griffin will be out of the starting lineup until the franchise and representatives come to an agreement on his future. Griffin is owed over $39 million next year. That is the last year of his contract. It is a player option, so he can opt into it. The Pistons are trying to get a number one pick. It looks like it so far. They are right up in there. I think they're tied with the second best odds to get lottery picks in the upcoming NBA draft. Griffin came over a few years ago in a blockbuster trade. He had an incredible season with Detroit. He's been banged up by injuries, but you really don't see a player just saying, I'm not playing anymore, and the team's also coming to that understanding and agreement. Usually if you've got a guy like this, he's going to be there until the end of his contract, or at least somebody else is going to want him. And right now, it looks like Blake Griffin is going to be bought out. Yeah, it's that's you know a, a really tough situation, and... I remember when the trade happened, I was excited as a fan because it's Blake Griffin. <laughs> you know, how, how could you not be excited about this, this young stud coming to a team who needs so much help? But I think at the same time, there's only a few players in the league who could turn a team of that low of a caliber around. Uh, to bring them to an NBA title. And obviously the the guy who comes off on the top of your head is LeBron James. Blake Griffin is not LeBron James. I don't ever see him single-handedly taking a team to an NBA championship against one of the best teams we've seen in, in decades, like LeBron did with Cleveland and uh, against the Warriors. And I believe it was 2016. So right away, you're looking at it like, do they really think this guy's going to be the solution? Yeah, he's going to help you a lot. And he did have a great season after that trade took place. But uh, I, I think you need a few more pieces. And I, I think the Pistons kind of jumped the gun in terms of thinking, oh, you know, we're a Blake Griffin away from bringing this home when if I'm remembering correctly, the best they were in a while was an eight seed in the playoffs or something like that. Um, yeah, I didn't really follow the NBA a whole lot back then. Um, but yeah, he, he just wasn't the guy and it, it, it stinks to say it because he's got talent. Uh, like you mentioned, he's been riddled with injuries, and so he hasn't really had that ability to um, stay healthy and, and stick around for the long term in Detroit. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think this was a, a lack of foresight by the the front office for for the Pistons, and just you know, I I wish him well. I hope I hope he gets where he wants to go, and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that they're mutually agreeing to part ways rather than um, having this be a James Harden situation where there was a lot of turmoil heading into his trade to Brooklyn, or even worse, something like we're seeing with Deshaun Watson, 
with the the Texans where he's made it clear he doesn't want to be there anymore and the Texans front office has made it clear he's not going anywhere. Um, so I'm at least glad that the two parties are on the same page. Yeah, and when, when Griffin first got here, his first full season with Detroit after the trade, 24.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 5.4 assists. It's a pretty close to LeBron impression there, but even the Cavs, they made investments around LeBron to try to maximize him, and then you saw that definitely with his second stint with the Cavs, how they spent just incredible amounts of money and made dozens of trades to try to maximize that team. In Detroit, they thought that Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond, that were two of your pillars of your big three, and then you put Blake Griffin in there, and Blake Griffin plus the two other main players, you get a championship, or at least a good playoff team. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the team saying, hey, I want to go to the playoffs. Maybe if we don't win a championship, but we can at least make a deep run in the playoffs, get into you know, a top four seed in the playoffs, get two, three rounds deep, should put up a good fight, especially with the Pistons, the lack of winning we've seen over the years. I don't think that's a horrible idea, but they kind of backed the wrong horses. Reggie Jackson, and he just left the team last year and glommed onto the Clippers. Drummond is in a similar situation as Blake Griffin, but Drummond is just being sat by the Cavs as they're looking to dump him on an expiring contract. It's just disappointing that a player who comes in with that he's now averaging less than half that amount of points his rebounds are down to five a game four assists so his passing's there but his just body is not keeping up with him and he's not that old either he's 31 but after all those knee injuries it does something to you and I think the other piston that people have been comparing him to is Grant Hill as a superstar talent who comes to Detroit and their body's just not able to hold up. It's just a little sad, too, because if we're going to talk about players with major Detroit franchises where it's just not going to end well, and that's part of the aging process, but Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, they just straight up retired. This situation, Blake Griffin, I think he's got a few more years left in him, but it's not going to be anywhere what he was, and hopefully for Detroit, they did get a Player of the Week award for the Eastern Conference, Sadiq Bey, the rookie, so there's some promise there. Killian Hayes if he comes back. So I think Jeremy Grant just had a career night last night with 43 points. So I think things are looking up for Detroit. They know the direction they're going in. It's just this is a part of the history of the franchise, and hopefully it works out for the best of everybody involved. Yeah, it's that's you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's just you know it it, it was a uh, looking back not the best move, and it's it's kind of set them back a little bit, but. Yeah, they do have um, a, a lot of potential. You know, they they had a, a, a great draft. Troy Weaver was was making so many moves. It was kind of crazy uh, watching all of those trades happen. And uh, I think he set them up for, for success. And um, not to – this is in no way, you know, downplaying how good of a player Blake Griffin is. But I think once he's gone – um, it'll be a, a small weight off of not only Troy's shoulders, but the, the team's shoulders as well. Yeah, I think it, it opens up time for the rookies. Uh, Sekou Deboya, second-year player, he's going to get more playing time when he gets back. I think he's out with a concussion. And Grant gets to slide to his more natural position at the power forward, which obviously is working out as he just got a career night against the Bulls, though the Bulls 
They're not the Bulls of old where their just defense is not able to stop anybody. Now, there's also some interesting developments happening on a high school level. Kellen, you mentioned that you've got something that you're working on that might have some legs to it. Yeah, so uh, it's it's been no secret here in the state that uh, there's been a shortage of officials. Um, doesn't really matter what sport, uh, but we're looking specifically here at the, the high school realm. Um, teams are always looking for referees to, to ref their games, and with the COVID pandemic, uh, that number is down uh, by about 25%. You know, I got some, some numbers here from, from a ref that I'm planning on speaking to. Um, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been kind of crazy. So you see refs that are going, you know, three games in a row, like they'll ref the freshman game, the JV game, and then the varsity. Uh, if you don't know, it, that's, it's a tiring job, not only with the, the running up and down, uh, the court or the field or skating up and down the ice or whatever, you know, you have the the mental toll of dealing with parents who might not agree with your call, coaches, players who might not agree with the call. And then on top of that, you have to worry about telling everybody to keep their masks up. Um, you know, it's their job. It's what they want to do. They've signed up for it. But yeah, it's it's making things pretty difficult for them. So that's what I'm hoping to, you know, kind of open up and and kind of tell people a little bit about how big of a struggle this is yeah i can't imagine running for at least basketball or hockey going up and down the court or the rink for a whole game and then doing two more right after that like the level of endurance physically on top of the mental toll because over the years we've seen all these videos make it where you see refs and parents really like a parent's really going into it and it's not like refs have some sort of agenda. It's not like a Major League Baseball ref where they're maybe known for their ego. These are guys out there, they're doing it usually on the side, just something that they're doing to give back. And it's not like they're trying to make anybody's lives or get it out for anybody either. And then to deal with the pandemic on top of it, them going out there, they deserve all the support and praise, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's definitely something where it's a, it's a thankless job and um, to have to do it so often and, and not really get the the praise uh, unless you call uh, something in team X's favor. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I ref hockey when I can, but because of the pandemic, I'm trying to stay as, as local and as, as uh, much as possible at my, at my residence and, you know, at work when I need to be. So it's it's tough and you know i'm gonna see how these guys are, are really feeling about it today well where can everybody check out your latest stories and possibly this one uh com. and your social media platform i know you had some issues before have all those been resolved partially so uh my twitter is back it's not the original twitter that i had um but that's at kellen buddy um yeah, that's that's where I'm the most active. And obviously my Facebook page, WILX Kellen Buddy as well. Well, Kellen, thank you so much for making time talking basketball and a, a little bit of ref. I had no idea you did hockey games. So that that'll be definitely interesting to, to swap stories in the future on uh, some of the more crazier moments. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan.
Again, that was Kellen Buddy joining us on the WILX Sports Blitz podcast. Thank you so much for everyone listening to this episode. We've got a huge push coming out right now on the homepage of the website. The promotional campaign is underway, so everything you can do to help is really appreciated. One of the biggest steps you can do, rate the podcast on iTunes or any other podcast service. Giving that feedback and giving the review, it helps visibility. It's huge as we work to grow this. Follow WILX on Facebook and Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at jgustin113. That's G-U-S-T-I-N-113. You can DM me on Twitter or hit us up on Facebook as well. Let us know your thoughts, what topics you want to have discussed on the show. If you got anything for Tim, we're all ears. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, we'll talk to you next time.